Everybody is a mad scientist and life is their lab. We are all trying to experiment, to find a way to live, to solve problems, to fend off madness and chaos. David Cronenberg, Can Canadian filmmaker. Welcome to a new episode of The Researcher's Story, an exploration into the science labs of India, a conversation with some of our best minds, where a scientist will finally get to be the hero of the show. Bhagavad Gita chapter 9, text 10 states, This material nature, which is one of my energies, is working under my direction, O son of Kunti, producing all moving and non-moving beings. Under its rule, this manifestation is created and annihilated again and again. In other words, it is we who make our environment, nurture it and sustain it. Today, we have with us a researcher who has truly embodied the spirit of a sustainable form of living in his life and his research. Please welcome Dr. Anil Rajwanshi, Director, Nimkar Agricultural Research Institute to our show. Welcome Dr. Anil, it's an absolute pleasure having you here. Thank you very much. So Dr. Anil, uh, one of the things that I observed uh, while reading about you was how well you've documented your work and your thoughts and ideas. Uh, so, you know, it was very easy for me to script the way you, uh, you, you, your life story as well. So, uh, if, if, I, if you really look into the book that you've rec uh, recently written, which is Spirituality plus Technology equals Happiness, your life story could be summed up in three phases, uh, as you describe in the book itself. Uh, the initial phase being seeking inner peace, followed by your uh, spiritual upliftment to develop uh, sustainable technologies for improving the environment and the third phase of attaining universal consciousness. I'd like to begin by taking you back roughly around 40 years to 1981 Florida and the moment you decided to come back to India. What prompted your decision to come back to India in 1981? I'm guessing this is also the moment when you entered phase two of your life. Well, um, uh, as you must have uh... Uh, read in my book, I have written, uh, uh, the uh, first book was 1970s America, an Indian student's journey. In fact, that uh, book documented my life story of going from IIT Kanpur at, uh, at the age of 24 to United States, working there, uh, getting my PhD uh, and working and uh, teaching in University of Florida, one of the major universities of the United States for two and a half years. So it was, I spent around seven, seven and a half years in the United States and then came back. Now, uh, I would suggest that when you knew through your podcast, you can also please put the links to some of these books because I have made these books available free of cost uh, on the net in the fond hope that young students will be inspired by my journey and my, by my experience. And uh, because this is what people aspire all the time to go from India to United States, but very, very few come back. And when I came back, I came back to rural India to a place called Fulton, which was a really um, outgrown uh, village or overgrown village. And uh, to give you an idea, if I wanted to make a phone call, I would hop on the bus. The bus journey would take three and a half to four hours to Pune and make a phone call. That was the place that I came to. Now, why I came to was purely because of madness, arrogance, and junoon. 
because if i was even slightly intelligent i would not have come just like i millions of indians thousands and thousands of iitians who have gone there and they find the life in united states so good so they don't never want to come back i always have done in my life i first jump then i think where i came my arrogance was that i had done i worked with a very famous man in united states in solar energy i was probably one of the first few solar engineers put it his phd and i thought that solar energy could be very useful in in india and i had this arrogance that because of my education i should be able to change the lives of indians how stupid and foolish i was india is a very old ancient civilization and who was i to think that i will change india in fact india did not change it changed me and that is what i think you are talking about in the second stage it uh, <clears throat> brought me to rural india it detoxified me because you see i come from lucknow mm-hmm. i went to some of the most prestigious schools in lucknow very famous india uh, english um, uh, missionary school called st francis then went to iit kanpur at that time in 1960s and 70s iit kanpur was the premier institute in india and from there to went to united states so i went through this trajectory that most of the elite go through and then coming back to rural india was a detoxification of anil rajwanshi and i have always felt and i feel very blessed that there must be some um uh, design of the higher forces to bring me back here because it made me understand the problems of rural india and in doing that i discovered myself the spiritual roots that you talk about those started at the age of 13 so it was not it was nothing new but you know what happens is that when the environment changes then a lot of these thinking also changes okay. and if i had continued if i had continued in united states probably that spirituality would have gone in the back burner but i came back and then i started again rediscovering my spiritual roots which i had discovered at the age of 13 and practiced for almost 4 5 years so this is the sto- my story and uh, i always uh, feel that if you have the janoon or the passion then any adversary circumstances you can make it into a positive thing because ultimately the happiness is a state of mind and if you create conditions by which you feel happy in doing something which you have about which you have a passion then other twin pricks simply go away the problem arises when people are not sure of themselves and they keep on riding on two horses they keep uh, you know for example there were quite a number of my classmates and others in united states who wanted to come back they came back but in 3 4 months they they got frustrated and they went back again so this is my story right and uh, i am also understanding that uh... it's probably has to do a lot with the phase one that you talk about right where it's about uh, seeking inner peace in the first instance and that really strengthens your uh, ideas and your you know thought process 
which can yeah, really but, but help inner, you inner, inner peace also um, uh, suraj does not come in a flash or by a uh, putting on the switch right. it's a long long process and that is what i try to teach or at least, at least i try to lecture on to students of iits and etc that this should start during your school days and during your college days right. and unfortunately you see fortunately for me um uh, i was exposed to some of these things my father had gone to jail with mahatma gandhi so there was a some uh, uh, element of a uh, uh, idealism there at the same time i um, read extensively i was a great um, uh, voracious reader and extensively on the spiritual um, uh, ideas of india and also about the history so once you have that then you can go deeper into things and when you go deeper into things then you can have inner peace if you are all the time interacting with people through sms and facebook and other mass media you never have the time to think reflect or contemplate and when you do not have the time to think reflect and contemplate you will never get inner peace because you are just like an animal you react humans with their huge brain have the power to reflect and introspect so that is what i uh, i would like through your podcast for the youngsters to understand that you need to have time for yourself you need to introspect you need to think what you have read rather than spending all the time in reacting to mostly nonsensical sms and other things that's uh, that's really true and uh, very much a uh, necessity in these days uh, now now that you came back to uh, india uh, with your qualifications and all the uh, knowledge that you had gained in the in the us you uh, you joined uh, an institute called uh, Nim- nimkar agricultural research institute right Uh, yes yes and you you've uh, you've been there uh, for the last uh, close to 40 years uh, and the institute itself has been doing a lot of work in agriculture renewable energy and animal husbandry uh, can you uh, tell us more about the work that the institute does and uh, what are the current projects that's being worked upon see this institute was started by my wife's father in fact that was uh, also one of the reasons why i came back to fulton i could i could have gone to any other place i want we both of us wanted to come back to india okay there was nothing here it was a mostly a flat piece of land when we landed from united states in 1981 but uh, then we said you know as a janoon that let us do something so uh, basically there were just few one one small building and the farm was there right. and so basically we, we made the buildings so so many things so it's basically like setting up a new institute mm-hmm. now the question is is that the idea was it was started in 1968 by mr nimkar my um, uh, wife's father and uh, the idea was to have research for the farmers on whatever is grown in this area so when i came back then i said uh, besides uh, research in agriculture we should also work uh, in renewable energy especially solar and biomass because biomass this is an agriculture uh, area so agriculture produces biomass and the idea was how do we utilize that biomass for producing energy and that was the genesis 
of all the renewable energy work that we did. The focus has always been in our institute to take the problems of local, local problems, and then you can always expand on those local problems for national and international. So in uh, agriculture, we worked a lot in uh, cotton and we were the pioneers of cotton research in India. Our cotton one variety was sown at one time on a very large scale. Uh, then we started working on sorghum because most of the farming in India is done by small farmers who are very poor. And unfortunately, the present agriculture, present uh, dispensation does not give a damn about the agriculture. They have made the farm bill and etc. But it is, it has a signature of industrialists and total uh, not taking into account anything from the poor farmer's perspective. So we said we will work for the crops which the poor farmers produce and develop better crops so that their income could be increased. Right. And so we worked, worked in sweet sorghum, we worked in safflower. You must have eaten or some uh, safola oil that a major portion of that safola oil comes from our variety, Nari NH1, Nari S, NH6, etc., etc. Now, so these are the things that we uh, have been doing. Now, when you see uh, through your podcast, I would also like to tell the your students or whoever are going to work that the biggest tragedy in India is some of the poorest um, or the least important people get into agriculture. Anybody, when they are going into after college, they want to all go to engineering or medicine or law or MBA, etc. But nobody wants to get to agriculture. I feel that there's a great need for engineers and scientists to get into agriculture. And that is what we are doing here. When mm -hmm. the farmers produce their crop, you don't get too much money by just selling the crop. But if you do processing of that crop, then the results can be almost order of magnitude better in terms of remuneration. So for example, when we produce this sweet sorghum or uh, in which the stem is as sweet as sugar cane, you crush the, uh, so you get the grain from the top, the sorghum, the jawar, then you have the stem which is as sweet as sugarcane. So from the sugarcane stem, we produce a syrup called Madhura syrup, which has which is very high in antioxidant and has a great value as a pharmaceutical. So by setting up a small plant, the remuneration goes by almost 10 times. If the farmer would have sold the um, uh, bare plant to any somebody, you would have gotten X rupees per kilogram. By selling this syrup, he gets almost 10X rupees per kilogram, the same kilogram. Right. So that, so that is what we are um, doing now. Engineering, agriculture. So that is what is in the agriculture area. Another very interesting in agriculture area we, we do, and especially in Maharashtra, Karnataka, Andhra Pradesh, etc. There are a large number of uh, shepherds 
and large number of people who keep goats because the animal economy is also very useful for the small farmers so we have set up a first class artificial insemination um, genetic process by which we produce better variety of um, sheep and um, uh, goats to double the income of the small farmers and so we inseminate with a better variety we identified a fegbi gene which we are introducing in the um, uh, sheep to so the doubling takes place because when a sheep gives birth it gives only to one kid but with this fegbi gene it gives to twins and for most of the farmers it is this is what increases their income right. so these are the type of things that we are doing in agriculture and you can see in our website all the awards that we have won so agriculture renewable energy and then sustainable development because i feel that when you are tied up with the land and i have written a lot of articles on how i live because i believe in gandhi ji's philosophy that be the change that you want to see so if i talk to you about sustainability i should also live a sustainable lifestyle and uh, i have written a lot on how i live and i think when you start doing that you simplify uh, your life and you also become spiritual so when you do all that then there is a sustainability comes in because if you become sustainable in your life then the whole world will become sustainable because it is so easy for the um, uh, leaders and for the politicians and even for all uh, people who are in the urban areas they talk about big corporates talk about sustainability they will have the sustainability seminars in the five star hotel with a huge amount of unsustainable outlook so this is, does not make sense i live a very simple and sustainable life and i think if i can do that and i'm not living in a hut or anything i still have modern communication i'm communicating with you through skype i have very high speed network but that allows me to reduce my energy um, uh, and the footprint carbon footprint in fact if you read my article on how to live sustainably i live in one ninth the energy that an average american uses and i think my lifestyle is quite emotionally satisfying true and uh, it's really uh, interesting to see the kind of work that's uh, going on in uh, in the institute uh, but i would also you know think that uh, it will be very difficult to run a non governmental non profit research center especially in rural india right uh, it wouldn't just take work for sure so what what are the challenges that you face uh, you know in terms the, of where, finances where, where the, and uh, where the biggest challenge uh, is now the present government who wants to destroy the ngos which is very sad thing because ngos really do lot of work and you know we are a very unique in ngo in the sense that we are the probably uh, you can count on one finger, one hand um, uh, those ngos which do very good research and development and in science and technology affecting the lives of rural population and those are the type of ngos which are required very much because government labs government huge funding for their government labs they talk about a lot about rural areas but they don't know a damn thing about rural areas they all live in big cities they get their fat salaries and they talk they think that they know everything about rural areas you have to live in a rural um, milieu in a rural setup and i think such ngos are very much required now the biggest challenge in running an any ngo 
is the finances. We used when I came back from the United States, the government of India was very kind to us. So anytime I wrote a project, it was funded. So that helped a lot. Nowadays, it is very difficult to get funding from government of India because government of India is go giving mostly funding to their own labs, the government institutes, and the some and the universities because they want to have a total control. So this is something which is always a very 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 major challenge. Now CSR funding is available, and we are very fortunate to have CSR funding from Bajaj Group. But Bajaj Group is very special because from the Jamnalal Bajaj, they have a, a desire to help the rural areas, and I'm sure that there are other organizations who also would like to help through the CSR. But what is happening now with this uh, government's insistence, the CSR CSR money, a lot of it is going to the PM Cares Fund. So once that starts happening, then the funding to small NGOs like us will dry up. So this is always a, a sad situation where the funding to NGOs is very much limited now. Right. Any other challenges in terms of you know the product development because it's not it, it requires a good team and a, and a proper research lab to come up with uh, these new varieties of crops that you're talking about, right? See again, uh, probably that is uh, the question that you are asking. Naturally, is uh, based upon your limited uh, knowledge. Naturally, your 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 experience only in the urban setup and in the corporate setup. The biggest challenge that I see is getting good people. Right. And I am sure that there are a large number of well-meaning people who exist in this country who would like to um, uh, give back to society and use their knowledge, use their technical and scientific knowledge for helping helping the rural poor by uh, joining us, by working us uh, in a honorary capacity or whatever. You, we can still pay, but uh, not the amount that you'll get in the corporate sector. And so those are the type of people that I need. I don't need money. Money will come. If I have good people working on great projects, producing novel solutions, money will come. So that is the biggest challenge. And that through your podcast, that is what you should, because you see, I, I go all over the country. I talk to a lot of students. They all are inspired. They want to do something. Immediately their family tells you, where the hell are you going? What is a packet? All of you work when, I'm sorry to say, but uh, sometimes the truth is ha harsh, but all of you work for the packets. Money is important, but not the whole thing in life. You understand, Suraj? Yeah, of course. So, so, that, so that is what is missing. If there are people who want to do something worthwhile with their life, two, three years is not too much to ask for. I have three, four engineers. They have come. They are getting much less than what they would get in corporate sector. But they want to do something wonderful. And for two, three years of their life, they learn so much and hopefully will uh, do wonderful things later on in the life. So my, uh, uh, as you asked me in the last question, what is my, um, uh, you know, what would your message be to all the budding researchers, right? Yeah, of course. That's that's something that's very much important, and uh, all of us are looking forward to your message as well. 
Yeah, so uh, my message is this, that please do whatever, in whatever thing you have a passion. In fact, if all of you look very closely to what you are doing, 90% of the times you are just doing things because you want money, because you want something. But very few of you do work on the passion. So the first thing is to identify your passion. Secondly, when you see, when you start having a passion, then naturally you start thinking deeply. And when you start thinking deeply, then you start questioning a lot of the value system. And when you do that, then you start uh, thinking about how would you like to give back to society? And this is what I personally feel that each one of us should do. Because when each youngster gives back to society, this country will become a great country. It will not become a great country by slogans, by um, so-called leaders. It will become a great country by individuals who would like to give back to society, irrespective of what and uh, what people say. But you just try to help in whatever way you can by giving back to society. And in fact, one thing one can do, just one person of your time, one percent of your time, if you decide to give back to society, slowly, slowly, it will add up huge amount. Right. You are busy. You are busy all the time, 99% of the time. But instead of spending time in frivolous activities, just 1%. And it will give you a lot of discipline. It will give you, give you a lot of confidence to do something wonderful. And it will give you happiness. That is true. Doctor, apart from uh, you know having passion, I also feel uh, it's 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 also important that uh, we learn how to deal with uh, the failures that we face, right? And as a researcher, you would uh, know this for sure that uh, research isn't easy. Uh, a good product doesn't come out in a day's time. So if you're conducting experiments, uh, I have done experiments, and it's it's uh, understood that 95% of the times, more or less, your experiments fail. So how do you cope with uh, these kind of failures that you that you face and uh, on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis? And uh, if I have to ask you, how does a day in the life of a researcher would look like? Well, right now I'm uh, 70 years old, so you are asking me things which uh, I did 40 years ago. Um, uh, see, the question is that if you have a certain depth in yourself, which comes through the spirituality or etc., then um, uh, you take some of these failures in stride. You you um, move on to new thing. You try to look at a certain perspective. Lot of my um, uh, people who are with me, they were not very happy with the failures. But then that is where my, my job was to go to them to tell them that you know we can do something better and etc. But the most important thing in a researcher's life is if you have depth, if you have the ability to think deeply, then you can analyze it in a much better form. If you are not, if you are very, uh, you know, and that comes with attention deficit syndrome, if you cannot uh, evaluate and contemplate and uh, 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 introspect, then you can become very uh, depressed, despondent, and that is not the place for the researchers. Research is just like yoga. You just have to continuously be at it. You have to continuously keep on prodding. 
you have to find the ultimate truth which is a long drawn process so researcher is not meant for people with a, a soft heart you have to have a very um, uh, firm um, basis you have to have a strong heart and you have to just uh, believe in yourself absolutely dr anil uh, that's a very strong message and i'm sure all all the listeners would uh, take take away this this important message that's very much required when you are uh, trying to build something uh, good for the world and i hope uh, we are we are all taking up this message uh, at the end of this podcast uh, it's been an absolute pleasure dr anil uh, talking to you and uh, thanks a lot again for joining us on this talk show uh, thank you thank you very much